Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 158 and a half. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is, uh, I'm going to guess he's passed out right now at home. He's, we're worn out, man. I'm not going to lie. It was a long week. Good Lord. Did it seem as long to everybody else as it did to us? What a crazy week in the history of mixed martial arts. Turned out to be pretty fun. UFC 223 is in the books. Apologies for the delay in getting to you with this and a half episode. But bottom line is we were on Habib time last night. <laughs> I am actually back home in Las Vegas now. Brooklyn, New York is in the rearview mirror. It's uh, about 2 o'clock in the afternoon as I sit down to record this. I had to fly home, spend a little time with the kid and the wife. And they're off to a uh, little birthday party, which I let them know. No offense, I do not have the energy to deal with right now. But I do want to get together and do this and a half episode because... What an insane week it was, and uh, again, just apologies for the delay. What basically happened last night was, you know, the fights ended, and then we got stuck waiting for Habib Nurmagomedov for a long, long time. I was hoping to, that we could knock this out in Brooklyn. Even thought about maybe doing it from the arena itself, but I guess the commission just didn't want to allow Habib to go do his uh, his post fight interview type stuff, the press conference. Um, but before he got all his drug testing requirements and all that stuff done. And so it just took a little while. So next thing you know, even though the fights were over at, I want to say, uh, what, like one thirty maybe? We didn't get out of there until almost 4 o'clock in the morning. And then uh, we actually had a, a 7.30 flight back to Vegas, myself and cold coffee. So we basically went back to the hotel, um, packed up a couple little things, moved some stuff around, and we were basically all, all done anyway. But just a quick little turnaround and then went to the airport uh, JFK, and then uh, fortunately had the direct flight JFK to Las Vegas, and I, I, I slept, man. I, I slept the whole way. Uh, I know I was snoring bad, too, man. I felt dehydrated, so I think I was snoring even worse. So I'd like to apologize for everybody that was sitting in row seven. <laughs> uh, but now we're back. Now we're back. Now, now we're back, and uh, my man Cold Coffee, look, he went home to go see his girl, and he admitted, he's like, dude, I'm done. We slept the craziness this week. We slept uh, like three hours on Wednesday night. Three hours on Thursday night, and then we got a full night's sleep on Friday night, which was good. But then uh, Saturday, of course, we didn't sleep at all except for the plane home. So uh, this crazy, crazy, crazy week with all the stuff that happened with the fight card itself, with all the stuff that happened with Conor McGregor, it just ended up being uh, really one of the most bizarre weeks that I can remember ever covering the sport. I mean, I, I, I'm always hesitant to use those words. It's the most. It's the greatest. It's the worst. Because then you think, well, there was that one other time. But I can tell you, this is one of the craziest weeks I've ever had covering the sport. There's no question about it. So um, let's talk about the fights first because the main event, Habib Nurmagomedov, we do have a new UFC lightweight champion, and Dana said it. He's the one and only lightweight champion. Conor McGregor has been stripped of the title. Tony Ferguson, the interim title, goes away. He, uh, he, he makes sure not to use the... We stripped him of it. Tony Ferguson is still there in the number one contender spot. But, yeah, Habib Nurmagomedov is a UFC lightweight champion and took a bizarre path to get there, right? I mean, you had the fight with Tony Ferguson that we've been wanting forever. A week out from the fight, we find out it's going to be Max Holloway. Then Max Holloway can't make weight because of the commission. And then it's going to be Anthony Pettis. And then it's going to be Paul Felder. And finally, it's going to be Ally Aquinta. I mean, we we, we – the day of the weigh-ins were so crazy. You know, we did the, the road show as we always do on Thursday night, Friday morning, the early weigh-ins. The craziness starts happening. And then, I don't know if you ended up watching any of our live stream. We were kind of testing some of our streaming equipment, the same that we used to, to stream the uh, the episode the other night for anybody that joined us on video. And five, five and a half hours of streaming. And we were all just kind of hanging out, waiting, waiting to get the answer. And you know, it's funny, I was at the host hotel. At one point, I took a break and, and went to go get a cup of coffee uh, just to keep myself awake, keep myself alert, and ran into Sean Shelby doing the same thing. And, and just the stress, the look on his face as they were still trying to figure things out hours after the official weigh-ins had ended. Just pure craziness. And then we end up getting Al Iaquinta. Much respect to Al for stepping into this situation um, you know, it was funny because we'd interviewed Al earlier in the week and some of these little mashup questions that we like to do, I was asking fighters, what did you think when you heard Max Holloway stepped in on short notice against Habib Nurmagomedov, you know, moving up a division, all that, what did you think? And I thought Al's answer was great because it was like, oh man, listen, Max Holloway's the man, you know, he's taking a chance here, much respect for him to do it, this is a chance for him to go be a legend. 
And then he's, he kind of started to end it by way. He's like, but because you know, it was the whole thing we talked about. You know, it's a win-win. It's a no-lose situation for Max Holloway stepping in here. But wait a minute, you know, no lose. A beam they're made of will get on top of you and start punching the hell out of you in your face. And yeah, Ally Quinty even said that. He's like, well, he, you know, it's kind of a no lose situation. They kind of pause. And he's like, well, you know, I don't know if I'd say no lose because you might get punched in the face a lot. And then he ends up taking the same fight. So, I mean, kudos to Al for stepping in there and doing that. And with all the weirdness of, you know, 155.2 in the, in the underpants and how much they weigh, I mean, Putting all that aside, it was it was awesome of him to do that, and of course, you know the the back storyline. It was the anniversary of, of of his coach Matt Serra beating George St. Pierre, and and what's you know widely considered one of, if not the biggest upset of all time, uh, in the UFC and, and maybe mixed martial arts. It's it's right up there. It was funny because Friday night after everything was done, uh, you know ceremonial weigh-ins were done, that press conference was done, everything was done. Everybody's kind of de- trying to decompress. You know, ran into uh, – we actually ended up staying in the Guest Fighter Hotel just by chance. We didn't even know it, but uh, ran into Matt Serra and, and Ray Longo. And, man, they were they, they were so pumped up. They were so excited for their guy getting the chance and, you know, asked him about it being on the anniversary. And they thought, hey, man, you know, I'm not saying we believe in science and maybe there's a little magic here. So pretty cool stuff. I, I thought Al did the best he could do. I mean, came in with that low stance. You know, obviously you know you're going to be trying to defend the takedowns. Was able to defend the takedown quite a bit. Certainly, uh, you know, the, the striking, he got bloodied up, but I think it, it, basically at some point, we didn't get to talk to Al after the fight because he was transported um, for precautionary reasons. You know, I think at some point he just said, listen, this jab, it may be busting my nose up, it may be blooding me, but it's not going to knock me out. It's not going to end me, and, and I want to make sure that I'm in the proper stance to defend a takedown. I want to make sure I'm in the proper stance to, you know, land a big counter if I possibly can. And, uh, I mean, that's 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 a brave way of doing it. Just say, listen, I'll, I'll absorb your punches because I need to defend your takedown. I need to leave myself ready for a, a counter-strike. And, ultimately, it just didn't pay off. Habib, the dominant wrestling game that he has, if he doesn't get you the first time, the second one's going to go. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's relentless. And, you know, he did kind of make that strategy change at one point, Habib did, about basically deciding he was going to strike a little bit. And I thought, uh-oh. You know, could this be a problem here? Are you getting a little too cocky right now? But no, you know, he and he, he said later, you know, said I, I kind of made a decision at one point, like five rounds is going to be my future, and I need to know what this feels like. I need to be able to go five rounds, be comfortable with it, um, understand what it requires of me, what it takes of me, and so you know, I, I decided to stretch this thing out a little bit. And I don't think he meant that disrespectfully. You know, I think sometimes that sounds bad, where it almost sounds like you're trying to carry somebody. I don't think he meant it that way. Um, and I, I do think he realizes the importance of a finish or whatever, but I, I think that that was pretty impressive stuff. I just continue to be impressed by Habib Nurmagomedov. Uh, does win the lightweight title. You can call it undisputed. <laughs> that's what the UFC is going to call it. But, you know, I think there is s- still some dispute here. I think that's what's going to get interesting after. So let's break down what happens after in just a moment. First, let's hear from Habib Nurmagomedov because he talks a little bit about the performance, what it meant to him, and and he talks a little bit about the options that are on the table. And I think that's where things are going to get very, very interesting. Well, Habib, congratulations on your victory. Um, you had a great attitude all week long, despite everything that was happening. You know, I'll fight anybody, no big deal. You know, put it all behind. But but honestly, now that's in the past. How tough was this week for you with the change in opponents, the distractions, everything? How difficult was it for you to keep your focus? What's up, everybody? <laughs> Sorry about you guys waiting a long time. Uh, you know, like, if you cannot beat anyone in this division, like Max Holloway, Yaquinta, or Tony Ferguson, you know, like, you make weight, you already do very good training camp, you're ready. And now, if you're going to talk about, oh, this guy, different stylistic guy, you know, I need like a couple months for training for this guy, how you can call yourself champion? If you're champion, if you want to be champion, undisputed, undefeated, you have to can beat anybody. And, you know, <clears throat> and uh, all week I stay calm, focused, I'm focused on me because I have to make weight and uh, because I'm ready, 
That's why I still stay focused, no nervous, don't think about other stuff. And um, and I know I cannot make mistake because if somebody have chance to make mistake, you know, like I, I don't have this chance, you know, on the line belt, you know, this is why I train so long time, like since four or five years and um, <sighs> everything about mental. Afterwards, you, you called out George St. Pierre, which was a little bit surprising for all of us. Um, why is that a fight that interests you? And are you saying that you would move up to 170 and fight him there? Are you inviting him to come down to 155 and challenge for your title? What's, what's the plan? No, please, not 170. With George St. Pierre, no. You know, like, um, when I talked with my father, like, one year ago, he told me his dream fight, me versus George St. Pierre. Because I remember when I grew up, like, like 11, 12 years ago, when I'm competitioning in Combat Sambo Dagestan Championship, like junior Combat Sambo Dagestan Championship, he fight for the UFC title. And like when I grew up, I watched his fights, like all fights with my father. And he, he is greatest athlete who ever competed in UFC. Middleweight, welterweight champion. And I hear about like he wanna come and fight in 155, take this belt, make history, become UFC three division champion, you know? Why not? Me versus James, George St. Pierre, like, like if I beat Connor or if I beat George St. Pierre, which one is better for my legacy? Maybe for money is Connor, but for legacy is George St. Pierre. But we don't know about money too, because me versus George St. Pierre is gonna be big, big fight, you know? And but only respect, only respect. But if you guys ask me about hey, he have to come back or no, I'm gonna say no. He's 35 years old. He already greatest athlete UFC, you know. And why he need come back for what? And uh, that's it. And last thing for me, Habib. I mean, we were all looking forward to the Tony Ferguson fight so much. Uh, Dana said he's never gonna book it again. It's been too many times. Of course, he was emotional. What about you? Do you think that fight will ever happen? Do you want that fight to happen? You know, I keep wanting this fight, to be honest. But you guys remember when I pulled out last time in after UFC 209? You guys remember this. And uh, UFC tell me, hey, you want to you wanna deserve title shot? You have to fight. You have to fight with some tough guy. Okay. Okay. I make mistake. Because when you have injured, this is your fault. This is your fault, nobody's fault. Hey, I have a lot of injuries. I have ACL, MCL, back surgery, hand surgery, broke ribs. You know, like long time, you know, I come back, come back, come back. You know, I never give up. And uh, now he have injured. This is not my fault. This is not like Dana fault. This is his fault. Now you have injured. Please come back and fight with somebody and deserve this. And that's it. You know, Tony Ferguson is a tough guy. You know, he's, he has 10 win streak. I don't want to talk about him trash or bad. I know he always talk trash. Like even he, he just pull out and he keep talking with somebody in Twitter. Hey, shut up. You pull out. You know, he keep talking, you know, like crazy. Because I told you guys, he is a great fighter, but he's a little bit stupid. I don't understand this guy. And uh, uh, you want to fight? Come back and deserve this. That's it. Habib, uh, congratulations. Uh, right over here. Did the events of uh, Thursday make you more or less interested in wanting to fight Connor for the title at some point? <clears throat> yes, why not? Hey, we have to finish this beef, beef chicken or something like this. He have to stop eat Burger Kings and, uh, you know, you want to fight? Come. I told you guys, we're going to make him humble. I told you guys, I'm going to change this game, you know. And uh, now only one champion. No more fake champions. No more champion who never defend his title or something like this. <coughs> now UFC have champion. And this champion want to defend his title. You want to fight? Come here. Inside the cage? Come. Outside the cage? Let me know without camera, without like all this media or like this. 
like man, you know, like he come when a lot of security here, outside the bus, inside the bus, security here, don't let me go out. Like he tried to, hey, come out like this, like, why you need this show up? Like, let me know, and that's it, anytime. Do you concede that if you fought Conor, it would be the biggest fight in UFC history? That everything that happened, they showed it on Embedded, no one's shying away from it. If he comes and fights you, given... They already promote this fight, right? <laughs> what do you think? Is it going to be a big fight? Two million, two million pay-per-views at yeah. least. What do you think? Uh, I hope he's going to fight. We have to fight, like make world tour yeah. everywhere, like Tokyo, Moscow, Dublin, Los Angeles, like Rio, big world tour, promote this fight and fight end of the year, like biggest arena in the world, Madison Square Garden, why not? Or maybe in Zaire or Philippines, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Like, I'm here, hey, he wanna, you want to become lightweight champion? <laughs> you have to fight with me. Now, no more these old fake champions. Now, we're going to, like, you guys remember when he put tweet, beg me. Please beg me. Last question. It seemed like everything kind of started after what happened with you and Artem earlier this week. Do you regret anything? Do you, do you kind of wish that that didn't happen so that it didn't lead to what happened with the bus? Or do you feel like whatever happened between you and Artem had to happen, that you had to confront him after you know, some of the interviews? Uh, <clears throat> you're living 100 years, you have to learn 100 years, you know. Nobody's perfect. Nobody. Like, this is not about me or other guys. Nobody here is, is perfect, you know. Like, this guy talks shit about me, I catch him. I ask him, hey, you want to say something in front of my face? Say no. You say, I never talk about you bad. But he talked bad about me, you know. And I don't know. Bring his, all his, slept him. I need these guys. We need to finish these things, beef, chicken, whatever you want, guys. Like, we have to finish this, you know. It's going to be a very big fight. It's gonna be a very big fight, I think. Let's go. I'm ready for this, you know. November, September in Moscow, November, New York, like any time. Let's go. Let's fight in Africa or somewhere. I'm here. All right, so that was part of Habib Nurmagomedov's post-fight press conference. I, I, uh, you can watch the whole thing if you want to on the MMA Junkie YouTube page. We've got it there. Uh, it's embedded in a couple stories as well. It's, it's, it's uh, a little bit longer than that, but I edited it down a little bit. Uh, but, okay, a couple things I want to take out. First off, the attitude. I love the attitude, and I don't think it's false bravado. From Habib Nurmagomedov to say, listen, if I'm a champion, i got to be ready to fight anybody, anytime, anywhere. I mean, and really mean it. You know, not be just, you know, paying lip service or whatever. I mean, the guy... Accepted every single opponent. He went from Tony Ferguson to Max Holloway to Anthony Pettis to Paul Felder to Ally Quinta in the course of a week. And the guy said every time, yes, I'm in. Don't worry about it. I'm in. I got this. How do you not respect that? In this day and age where there are very few people that will accept challenges like that and, and that will you know, say, hey, listen, I'll, I'll move on. I'll do this. I'll pay. Love it. Absolutely freaking love it. That is an attitude. And to me, that is the mark of a true champion. That is the mark of a true champion. So, phenomenal. I love that. All right, so let's talk about that true championship, right? You, you, I'm incredibly interested to see where our MMA junkie lightweight rankings fall. We release everything on Tuesdays. George Garcia, gorgeous George Garcia from MMA Junkie Radio, you know, he kind of has these things up, basically. He's the one that's really kind of in charge of everything. It's, it's something that he's really passionate in. And so he's, he's always wanted to do it. So he kind of heads up the rankings. And then he submits them to me, Dan Stutt, Matt Erickson, Simon Samano, the editors basically on the staff, and we kind of weigh in where we think things should fall. And I'm interested to see what we do right now. Because you got, as it stands, heading into this, we had Conor McGregor, number one, Tony Ferguson, number two, Habib Nurmagomedov, number three. Now, 
we don't have we don't have the head-to-head results, right? I mean, we don't have any history there that we can go with, that we can use as I mean, those are the easy ones, right? If people are close, records are pretty similar, their position in sports pretty pretty similar. But one guy won, easy enough, right? So we don't have that information that we need. So where does Habib Nurmagomedov fall? A lot of times we kind of defer to the UFC champion being number one in that division. Now, I'm not saying always. It's not an automatic. It's not a given that just because you're the UFC title holder, you instantly become number one. But, I mean, usually if you've worked your way to the UFC title fight, you've beaten some contenders along the way, so it, it makes some sense. Here, I'm not sure. I'm not sure because as we sit here on Sunday, April 8th, we have one USC champion, Habib Nurmagomedov. But, you know, 24 hours ago when it was still, you know, a little after 2 p.m. Pacific time, there were there were two USC champions, Conor McGregor and Tony Ferguson, and neither one of them lost. Their belt just went away. So does Habib Nurmagomedov, does he stay at number three? I mean – if this was a non-title fight win over Ally Quinta, right? Let's just say this was the scheduled matchup. It wasn't, um, or maybe it even was a late replacement fight. Maybe it was a, a late replacement type matchup. We do, going into the fight, have Ally Quinta ranked at number 13. We had Paul Felder at number 15. We actually had Anthony Pettis at number 12. So they're all bunched in there pretty similar, right together. They're all right there in the same little area. But if you're number three... In Habib Nurmagomedov, now you're undefeated, you're unbeaten in the UFC, you're unbeaten in your career, and you beat either 12, 13, or 15, any three of those guys, is it enough to jump over Tony Ferguson and Conor McGregor? I'm not sure. I'm not really sure. And I don't even know if beating Max Holloway would have been enough. I mean, that's number one. That's another guy that's in the pound-for-pound list, right? He's a champion, but he would be moving up a division. So is that enough to overcome? I'm not sure. Initially, I think moving Habib Nurmagomedov to number one is the right call. I mean, we know Conor McGregor is going to be out for a while, and it's been a long time since he's fought. Yes, he had the boxing match, but it's been a while. So maybe he deserves that little slide. You know, we thought we were going to be able to figure things out because with Ferguson Nurmagomedov, I think you could have conceivably said – you know, winner number one, loser number two, Connor to number three. But I don't know. I don't know where you fall. It, 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 is it fair for Habib to pass Tony Ferguson, who did have, who did have a belt twenty four hours ago and didn't lose it through any actions other than, you know, tripping on on, on a cord? A guy that hasn't lost a fight since two thousand twelve. I guess you can make the argument. Beating their man up hasn't lost ever. So I'm interested to see where we go with this. I'm also interested to see what the hell happens with a beating their man up next. Now, he threw out some possibilities there, right? A potential George St. Pierre fight at 155 pounds. <sighs> Here we go. Here we go again with GSP swooping in on the title shots, right? Um, you know. Ariel Hawani talked to him during the press conference, talked to GSP during the press conference, got him on the phone, and I guess the quote was that, you know, I, I don't know, it sounds like they have some other stuff to, to work out first. That doesn't mean he's not interested. The right price, the right opportunity, he'd do it. Uh, George St. Pierre and, and Habib Nurmagomedov, man, that would be uh, – I, you know, I thought GSP cherry-picked Michael Bisping. I do not think he would be cherry-picking Habib Nurmagomedov. I think that would be – I'm ready to take the ultimate test. Habib, I guess you can make the you can if you can make the case that he's one dimensional, that his striking isn't up to par. You can you can make that case. I won't argue with you. He's not out there, you know, looking like Muhammad Ali out there, who he said he was watching all week long. He's not. That's not his game. But what he does do with that wrestling game is incredible. It's incredible. And as we've seen, it's adaptable. You know, we talked about that going into the week, is what he does. It allows him to be that guy that faces anybody, anytime, anywhere, because he's going to do the same thing. He doesn't really have a huge game plan adjustment. So I like the idea of a George St. Pierre fight at 155, I think. It's a big money fight, and the reason I really hated it at middleweight was, yes, because I thought he was cherry-picking, but, but also because there were so many contenders in line right now, or right at that time, I should say, 
at 185 pounds. I don't know if that's the case right now at 155. We've got some big fights coming up. we got some big fights coming up. But I think you could maybe get a, get get away with doing this GSP fight. We'll see. We'll see if that comes together. That's that's the that's the pie in the sky, I guess. That's the that's the far out one. You know, not out of the realm of possibility, but not impossible. So wait, not out of the realm of possibility, and also not impossible. Good job, John. I just described the same thing in two different ways. <laughs> uh, see, that shows you how delirious I am right now. All right, then there's Tony Ferguson. Okay. Tony Ferguson, I think what Habib says is fair, right? Like, I got hurt before. I was told to win some fights. Now, you got hurt. You go win some fights. I think that's fair. And Dana White is not going to rebook that fight right now, right? He's not going to book Habib Nurmagomedov Tony Ferguson for a fifth time right now. It just feels snake bit, right? It's not going to happen. It could happen down the line. I know I know. Dana originally said, I'm, I, you know, I don't think I'll ever book this fight again. I think that was an emotional thing that he was saying, and, and you know, I, I don't think he'll be in any rush, excuse me, to get it together as quick as he can, but I don't think he's going to say, no, I'll never, ever, ever, ever book this fight again. So I think the Tony Ferguson fight is there at some point, and I, I, listen, I know all the all the, 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 the bad history between this, but it's a fight I'd still love to see. It's a fight I'd still love to see Tony Ferguson so good on the feet, so good on the feet. I think would be able to, uh, to to land some of the same things that Al did over this weekend. And then, of course, he's so dangerous on the ground as well. So in those moments that he is on his back, you know, he's not necessarily just trying to get up. He's also looking to threaten from his back as well. So I think the Tony Ferguson fight happens in the future. I do. I'm going to say that. If you were asking me to bet on it, I think Habib and Tony Ferguson fight in the future. I just don't think they fight next. I just don't think they fight next. So then Conor McGregor. Well, listen, we could sit here and have a, a whole nother show about Conor McGregor. And that's basically all we talked about. On Thursday night, if you listen to the episode in Brooklyn, I mean that was that it was fresh at the time, of course. So it was it was one unquestionably the biggest news, but it was just some of the crazy stuff we'd ever seen, and that's all we talked about. Now we've had a couple of days to process it, to let the, the the initial craziness die down, and now we start kind of getting a, a, a plan moving forward. Now we know Conor McGregor has to go back to New York, appear before a judge in June. And, and this thing will start moving forward from a, a legal basis. Dana White has basically said, listen, I'm not going to do anything until the legal side is over, which I think is smart. There's, For me, if you're the UFC, there's no reason to go out on a limb and start laying sanctions down or punishments down until all the legal things are done. So I think that's the smart play. So it's going to be a while before Conor fights. You know, I, I think ultimately he probably gets probation. I, I don't think he's going to do jail time. I just As crazy as it was, he doesn't have a history uh, but th- there are some serious, some serious things here, some serious problems, and I think there's there's going to be some changes with how the UFC treats him or handles him moving forward. But I don't think he does jail time. But I don't think that he's going to be done with all of this and ready n- next to be ready for Habib Nurmagomedov. So that's that's why I say, you know, if if Ferguson probably isn't going to be next, and McGregor isn't going to be next, then maybe GSP makes some sense. But there's issues there as well. So so then where do you go, right? Uh, Eddie Alvarez is out there. You know, he decided to kind of hang tight for a little while after his win over Justin Gaethje. That might have turned out to be a pretty smart move. You know, let let contenders kind of knock themselves off and figure everything out. You know, he's right there in the mix. you got a couple big fights coming up. Justin Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier. That's happening next week. Can't wait for that fight. Can't wait for that fight. Myself and Cole Coffee will be out there. And then the week after that, Edson Barbosa versus Kevin Lee. Of course, Edson Barbosa, you know, he had a shot. That didn't go so great. But maybe Kevin Lee is a name that if he gets by, he, he'll certainly talk his way into it. And he's been he's been calling out Habib for a while. He was calling out Islam Makachev for a while. He's been he's been calling out the Russians. So maybe he's there. You know, Michael Chiesa had hoped to be in the mix. Of course, we, we know what happened with him. He's got to get the cuts healed up. So, I mean, there's not – I'm kind of curious to see what they do next. I don't see one fight that stands out to me as the one that makes the most sense and that's going to be available. But, listen, I, I am I am happy for Habib Nurmagomedov. I, I think this guy's attitude is great. You know, his his um <laughs> his, his sense of humor and his little subtle trash talk, I mean, it's fun. You know, without being over the top, it's 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 just it's respectful, but just edgy enough to be fun. And man, I, you know, I, I know probably the casual fan most just likes two guys that stand in the middle and, and just trade shots in the pocket until one of them falls. But man, I love Habib's pressure game, and I 
you know, seeing him talk to Dana White between rounds, seeing him talk to Dana White, you know, during the middle of the fight, seeing him talk to fighters during the fight. I mean, it's it's craziness. And, you know, it's going to be huge for the UFC, I think, in, in helping to continue to open this this market in Russia. Sounds like September is going to happen. Sounds like it's going to be a fight night, uh, which means it probably wouldn't include Habib Nurmagomedov. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe down the line we'll, they'll be able to figure something out once they get the market kind of introduced um, to what's going on. So, yeah, big night for a being there. Man, if you're new USC lightweight champion, call it undisputed. Don't, don't call it undisputed. I don't know. It's your call what you think there. But he has the one and only official belt is what Dana was calling all week long. Uh, listen, I can't, can't uh, I mean, we talked touched on Connor there briefly. Uh, I have seen some criticism, and I'll be honest with you, even having some internal arguments in our own little MMA junkie uh, discussion. We, we use Skype to talk back and forth, but our own little internal discussions over over what to take out of it. And, you know, a, a lot of people are saying that, that Dana is, you know, already taking a softer stance on Conor McGregor. Already. You know, he had the line where he said, you know, I, uh, you know there's worse things that happen in other sports you know, I'll, I'll I'll take a uh, I'll take a dolly through a window any day, and I see a lot of people jumping on that quote, including people on my own staff here at MMA Junkie. I don't think his stance is softened, to be honest with you. I think you know if you go back and listen to it, I'm going to play a little bit for you. Um, what exactly he said in context when he answered that question? Now, again, it may not have been it may have been a little more flippant than he should have been when you're talking about something so serious. Um, but he was asked about the health of the UFC. You know, was this incident with Conor McGregor, the type of incident that basically could harm the reputation of the UFC or harm the reputation of mixed martial arts, you know, when they've been on a 25-year a PR campaign to get people to understand that this is a sport, you know, it's not blood sport, it's not human cockfighting, and, you know, would this be bad? And, and Dana White said, yeah, listen, it's not great, but to say that it's, you know, not, you know, going to tear up the whole sport, there's worse things that happen in other sports. Um, and so I think it's important that you take that in context because if you take it out and you make it sound like he was saying, listen, it's just a dolly through a window. Everybody ease up on Conor McGregor here. I don't think that's what was said. I think what he said is, listen, I'm exhausted. In addition to this Conor McGregor stuff, I've had all this other stuff that I've had to deal with, with the main event changing, with fighters dropping off because they're hurt, and I haven't even had a chance to, to, to think about it. And on top of that, there's nothing for me to do until the legal process plays out anyway. So – I don't take it as as a change in stance, to be honest with you. And, and I'll say this, you know, I, hopefully you saw the embedded where you where you could see the the nice high quality footage of of everything that happened, you know, all the backstage footage, and you could see just how terrifying and, and ridiculous the whole incident was. To me, and I know if Cole Coffee was here, he would absolutely agree with me. Um, that to me, the fact that they released all that footage tells you a lot about what they what their position is right now on Conor McGregor. This is a company that that you know cuts uh, promo promo materials that have anything to do with weight cutting. You know what I mean? That means, literally, the things have to go through final edits because. Like they don't want the world focusing on weight cutting. They don't want the world focusing on, you know, if somebody makes a reference to steroids or something like that, they don't want to talk about that performance-enhancing drugs. You know, they, they don't want that in their internal promo materials, which is their right. It's their internal materials. They're not a documentary crew. Uh, it's their every every right to, to edit things they want and be selective about what goes in and what goes out. But if you're talking about a company that is so dialed in that they will, you know, edit out references to weight cuts, they will edit out references to, to drug use and that sort of thing, yet they're going to air basically what becomes, you know, prosecution evidence to, to the for the world to see. You know, I saw some people saying, oh, they're just promoting the fight between Connor and, and Habib. I mean, maybe that's a byproduct of it, and, and I'm, I'm certainly thinking it, it, they probably did say, well, this doesn't necessarily hurt if these two guys are going to fight in the future. But, but that's not it either. I mean, they could have easily ignored it. They could have easily just swept it under the rug, act like they, you know, they, I mean, hell, they even could have made it, they could have lied and said, well, we've, you know, we're holding it so that the authorities have it. I mean, they could have said whatever they want. Instead, they put it out embedded. Um, and I think, to me, that shows that they were pretty pissed at Conor McGregor and, and they were like, let the world see what this knucklehead did. What this knucklehead did. So, a lot to see. A lot to still go on with Conor McGregor. You know, lot, to, lot, lot, so many different things surrounding this. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of weeks and couple of months. So, uh, man, 
What a way to end a, a crazy week. All right, look here, as promised, let's listen to uh, USC President Dana White, especially as it relates to Conor McGregor, because I know that's what uh, what everybody cares about, let's be honest. What's up, gang? Anybody have any questions? Go ahead. And yeah, Dana, I just want to get your thoughts on Habib's performance tonight. I mean, obviously Al was gutsy as well, but I wanted to hear what you thought about Habib and just the whole week. I mean, everything that he went through to be able to take, you know, three different opponents in a week and, and all the, the melee and all that stuff and still turn in a performance yeah. like that. Give, I give think Habib's performance was amazing. Uh, if you, I, I, I honestly believe there's three guys in this company or in fighting that would have stayed and done and, and, and stayed in the fight. No doubt Conor McGregor, okay, Cowboy Cerrone, and Habib. I mean, it, the stuff that this guy went through you know, physically, emotionally, mentally, this week, many people. I, I've been on the side where the guy who is the champ and, and, and is, uh, had a full camp won't take a guy who's coming off a short note. I mean, it just doesn't happen. And what that guy's been through, and he came in and he fought. And uh, much respect to Al, too. You know, he didn't show up for a paycheck. He came to win. He's a tough guy. And just to be clear for the record, the belt that Habib has is the only belt, right? No Tony Ferguson, no Conor McGregor, no, no belts. Say only, that again? The belt that Habib has is now the only belt. That's the it. Only belt That's that the only belt. It just, last thing for me, Dana, uh, real quick. I know it's only been 24 hours since we last talked to you, but any updates at all on the Conor McGregor situation from him? Any change at all in that situation? Is what? Just the situation in general, your relationship, his legal situation. We talked. Any updates? We talked yesterday. How, how did it go? Yeah, it's good. I mean, there's the, I think that there's a mutual respect between us. And, uh, you know, obviously this week, I, I had so many things thrown at me this week. This, uh, to, to, to focus on the show was insane. We'll get back and we'll focus on Conor McGregor. Right Did now, Dana, right now, Dana, you don't have any firm, you know, plan of attack or of what you're going to do action-wise with Conor? No. No, I, I'm, no. You, um, when you, I mean, you, you obviously had something in mind before he, he gets to New York. Were you looking at, at he, he him didn't fighting? He didn't come to New York to do anything with me. He jumped on a plane with all those guys to come to New York for the Khabib thing. That's not true. He came to New York for Khabib. What were you thinking? He didn't come though, here to meet me. What were you thinking, though, like date-wise as to when he would fight again? I didn't even know Connor was here. There was like this thing at the press conference where a couple of guys at the press were like, they acted like they knew something, like he was coming here to meet, or, or he was coming here, you know? So, no, I, I didn't know anything about him coming here. But did you have a date in mind for him? Like, you wanted him to fight when? I mean, yeah. Even before all this happened? September. We had talked about him fighting in September. Do you think that's still possible at all? I don't know. I don't know. I, you can't ask me anything about Connor. I don't know anything about. I don't know anything about Connor. I haven't thought about it. There, there's nothing to think about this week except for this event. Dana, could you possibly? I wasn't going to ask you this, but could you possibly do Khabib and Connor in Russia with security situation? Could, 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 could I? Would you be able to do that? Could I what? Could you do Khabib versus Connor in Russia? <laughs> oh my God. With security? Um, I, I, I don't know. Seriously, I, I really can't answer any Connor questions till I, you know, this thing's question, got to play out. He got, he's got to go to court in June. This question, you know, indirectly about Connor is the company in better or worse shape today after the events of this week, you know, because there's positives and negatives. The positive, obviously, you kept the show together and, and had a, you know, great night. You know, the negative, of course, your biggest star is, you know, arrested and looked like a fool. I mean, so, uh, is the company in better or worse shape than it was coming into the week? We're in way better shape, way better shape. Um, yeah, in, in a perfect world, it'd be great if Connor didn't show up and, and do that. Um, and obviously, I didn't see that coming, or I would have, uh, I would have tried very hard to prevent that. Um, but yeah, I mean, what we put, we broke a record tonight. We broke the arena record for the highest gross, and we broke our own record. And we didn't just break it. We blew it out of the water. We beat it by almost a million dollars. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, and the pay-per-views were great, too. So, yeah, it was awesome.
it, I mean, did, was there, is there any tangential damage that comes with, you know, the impressions that were created by what happened the other day? Because I know how hard you guys have worked to create a different image. Right. Well, what happened happened. We can't change that, you know, um, unfortunately. But, yeah, we, we just have to move. Listen, people say to me, you know, oh, this, this looks so bad for the sport and everything else. I agree. It doesn't look good. Um, but at the end of the day, there's, there's a lot worse that goes on in all the other sports. So take a dolly through a window any day. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the uh, the other fights on the card. The co-main event of the evening, of course, Rose Namajunas, who admitted afterwards she considered not fighting. She was kind of freaked out about the whole thing that happened. Uh, you know, she almost got hit in the head with with this dolly, and and she said, but but I battled through it, and I and I, and I you know I wanted to do this and, and fought a great fight. I thought Yuania Jacek fought a great fight as well. I think she definitely proved there was something wrong with her that first time around. I mean, this was a completely different contest. A contest that, I will admit, I scored for Yuania Jacek. Now, I'm not saying that I felt this was a robbery or this was some kind of a problematic decision. I'm just saying, watching live, I scored this fight for Yuania Jacek. That said, I, I will readily admit I, I had problems going uh, along the way of, of how each round was going, you know, how how everything was happening because it was a very, very close fight, an incredibly close fight. I thought very, very competitive. I thought both women had their moments. I thought Rose definitely was landing the better shots, no question about it. When she would hit Joanna, Joanna would kind of get stuck for a second or wobble a little bit. I mean – she was doing damage. There's no question about it. Yeah, Jay checks. You know, volume, a lot of volume, right? Just, just punch, 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 move, punch, punch, punch. Combinations, combinations, moving well, but nothing that you know that, that just overwhelms Rose with power or or necessarily hurt her tremendously. But I thought Yuani and Jay Check had a good showing. Um, you know, whether or not it's enough to to deserve a third fight down the road, that I don't know about. That I don't know about. But I do think, at the very least, it gives Yuana some, I don't want to say relevance. Like, it proves that she's still competitive, very, very competitive. I, mean, I think this was a competitive fight. I think it was closer than the 49-46 scores would indicate. Interestingly enough, uh, if, if you look at the scorecards, each judge gave Yuana a different round, round two, three, and four. So even though it was four to one on all three cards, uh, they even disagreed as to which round that she took. And I think that shows how close it is. I mean, you you can have a fight that's 50-45. That's very, very close. I know that sounds, you know, counterintuitive, but it is true. So, uh, listen, I just I, I think it was good for Joanna to, to prove to herself as well. I mean, her confidence had to be rattled after that last one, especially, you know, this is somebody whose game, I think, was predicated very much on her confidence and her ability to kind of get in people's heads. And, you know, you almost think about somebody like, uh, like Ronda Rousey who completely – you know, fell off the map after a first loss. And, you know, it's not fantastic here that you have two losses in a row. And, and now, especially being against the, the current champion, it makes it incredibly difficult for you to get that third fight. We've seen that. I mean, that's that's history uh, in the UFC. But I, I do think that both from a fan's perspective and from her, her own personal perspective, you know, this performance has got to be a lot better for Joanna and Jacek moving forward. You know, the, 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 the right move for her is probably to go to 125. At least it gives her a fresh lease on life. Um, it gives you, you know, some new matchups that, that can be made. It also means that, you know, the, the cut, which proved problematic in the last time out, isn't nearly as harsh moving forward. So even though, you know, it seems like everything went well this time, maybe that's better off. Uh, the, the slight problem is you do at some point run into Valentina Shevchenko. <laughs> so that might not be the most appealing thing, but uh, – but I, I I do think this performance was important for you on Jacek. Had she gotten dominated again, it would not have looked good. Meanwhile, for Rose Namajunas, man, uh, you know another gutsy win for her, and and another just you know gutsy performance for her all week long. You know, getting how about that? I mean, this girl who says that you know she has he lets her imagination, I guess, run wild. Lets her lets her her mind get the best of her sometimes, and you know gets her finger cut on a piece of metal. At the, at the at the open workouts, they have to wrap it up with duct tape. I mean, that's crazy. And, of course, she lives through this terrible incident where, you know, the glass that cut Michael Chiesa <laughs> almost took her out of the fight instead. And, 
you know, she was kind of fearful of what she was seeing and what was playing out in front of her eyes. She was able to put all that aside and turn in a, a great performance and uh, just becoming a fan favorite every time out, man. Her attitude, the way she fights, the things that she says. <coughs> excuse me. People are people are loving it, and, and rightfully so, man. She is a talented, talented individual. So she gets to move on, I think, from this Joanna and Jacek situation. She doesn't have to deal with her anymore, and um, she'll get to kind of go outside a little bit. Of course, uh, Karolina Kovokovic picked up a win uh, over Felice Herrig, an impressive win there. You know, she wants to be in the mix. Uh, there are other options out there for, you know, Jessica Andrade. That's a potential fight there as well. Um, certainly it kind of opens up some new life for Claudia Gadella as well. So interesting times in the strawweight division. Um, and, and I thought this was a good fight. I thought it delivered. This was this was, uh, this was fun stuff. Hinato Moicano picking up the United decision win over Calvin Cater. Uh, listen, uh, I, uh, Calvin is a fantastic fighter. There's no question about it. I think he's going to um, live to fight another day. But I, I don't know if it was an adrenaline dump or what. He almost finished the fight early. Uh, was, had a couple of nice shots early and then just seemed frustrated the rest of the way. Moicano made some adjustments. Um, you know, certainly was attacking the legs, was, was sticking and moving. And Calvin looked frustrated that he couldn't just – you know, just walk forward basically and have the shot there where he wanted it. So, I uh, I I thought this was a, a good fight. And, you know, again, we said kind of coming into this, this would be a good platform for both these fighters. It wasn't gonna launch anybody into any kind of contendership position, but it would be a good platform for them to do so. So, beat Magoma Sherpov, picking up the fight of the night decision win over Kyle Bosniak. Man. This fight was amazing, amazing. Bogniak was so uh, just intense when he came into the cage. It was incredible. I mean, I know you could see part of it, but I don't think the camera stayed on him the whole time and showed him. The guy's, you know, punching the the the, the corner uh, pads. He's, you know, he's, I mean, literally just yelling. Like, even as they were introducing Zabit, I, I think he was yelling, I don't care or I don't give a like, I guess, I don't know, it was crazy. He was yelling. He was kind of looking at the media, but kind of just yelling. Uh, and he came out there to scrap, man. But I'm telling you, I've been high on Zabit since I first saw him fight, and I think this guy's a real deal. Maybe this was the coming out party for him. I mean, how fortunate for him, unfortunate for everybody involved, but how fortunate for him that he went from being the first fight on Fight Pass to now, you know, his style was featured on this pay-per-view card. The guy is talented. There's no credit about it, or no question about it, and the people around him have nothing but fantastic things to say about him. And uh, I just think you can't say enough about this fight. Both these guys threw down. Uh, you know, at the post-fight press conference, Dana White was like, I don't even think I have to tell you guys which was fight of the night. And he was like, nah, you really you really don't. You really don't. We know what it was. This was next-level stuff. And uh, if you missed if you missed this card for some reason, make sure that uh, that you find a way to watch Zabit, Magomed Sherbov, and Kyle Bognat because it was that damn good. Uh I just, I again, I'm high as a beat, man. I think he's the real deal. Chris Grutzemar pick up the TKO win over Joe Lozon. A corner stoppage at the end of round two. Props to Joe Lozon's corner for just realizing things were not going his way and that he's too damn tough for his own good. Uh, you know, this is one of those things you, you could spend a lot of time debating this as well. You know, corner stoppages, why they need to happen more often, why they don't, whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, there's – been a lot of arguments about it. I know Ben Folks has written a couple pieces over the years. It's it's an interesting debate topic because, you know, if you're a fighter, you know, boxing you see a lot more corner stoppages. But I feel like boxing, like by the time you start getting into round seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever it may be, the the the, the fight is pretty much established at this point. The rhythm, and it's just punching, you know. And you can see who's faster, who's more accurate, who's more powerful. You can see it. But in mixed martial arts, and that's one of the things that makes it so beautiful. Things can change so quickly, right? I mean. One well-timed punch, one well-timed kick, one well-timed takedown, one scramble to the back, and all of a sudden everything is different, right? And I think that's what makes it such a fun, fun sport. Um, so, you know, I get why you don't want to stop the fight sometimes. You want to give your fighter every chance to win, especially when half their pay is involved. Who wants to Who wants to be responsible for taking away half of somebody's pay? But I think this was this was the right call here. Grutzmacher was just on point, man. He was relentless. And uh, Lozon took some bad shots. And, you know, Lozon is, is, is probably getting up there, man. A, a guy that's been doing it for a long, long time. And this was this was rough to watch. But he is as, as, as tough as they come. He was going to keep going out there. But 
mad props to his corner for for stopping that fight. We mentioned Carolina picking up the split decision win over Felice Herrick. Um, I thought I didn't think necessarily it was a split decision. I thought the, the rounds should have been a little more clear to score than they were. Um, but uh, you know, I did think it was a good performance by Felice Herrick. So I don't think she looked bad. Uh, this does end the winning streak that she was on, but I don't think that it should stop her momentum. Uh, in the division and her momentum as a fighter. I mean, this was a good performance against you – know, she was taking a, a big leap up, man. She was taking a jump up the rankings, and, and she said, listen, I want somebody that high up the list. But, uh, you know, she came up a little bit short. Carolina's tough, um, but this was a good performance. Speaking of good performances, Olivier Aubin-Mercier, 53-second TKO over Evan Dunham, and just absolutely clipped him. You know, the knees to the body were big. I haven't got a chance to watch the replay, but we were talking cage side. I was sitting next to uh, Tom Gervasi and Kevin Ioli, uh, Gervasi of uh, USC.com, of course, Kevin Ioli of Yahoo Sports. And I thought, too, there was a nice left hand to the body, even before the knees. I felt like the left hand to the body, the liver shot there, you know, kind of hurt Evan a little bit. And uh, he, he tried to cover it up, and, and uh, but Olivier saw it and just rushed forward. And, uh, and hit those knees as well. Of course, the knees were ended. But I thought the left hand of the body set things up as well. So just fantastic performance there. Uh, the sweet stash as well. Then, of course, the uh, incredible post-fight speech where, where, he, where he said, what, I'm a Canadian gangster. I have a stash. I say sorry and I cry and I don't give a fuck, I believe is what exactly it was. So <laughs> good for him, man. A big, big performance there. And all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's looking like a guy in a role. And of course, tonight started out with a couple decisions. Ashley Evans-Smith um, looking crisp, looking sharp. Oh, my God, I told you. I can't even say unanimous. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's bad. It's been a long damn week. But look sharp, look sharp. You know, uh, she talked about that she thought her striking would be crisp, uh, and it was, man. It looked good. In a, you know, in a decision win over Beck Rawlings. It's just a decision win. And Devin Clark. Uh, also, a hard-fought win over Mike Rodriguez, who uh, Mike was was dangerous in spurts, but Devin Clark was able uh, to to grind out a decision win. So fun card, only nine fights, which is crazy. Started out with thirteen, and with everything that happened, we ended up with only nine. It was a crazy week. I'm not gonna lie. I'm glad to be through it. I apologize that we're late with the uh, and a half episode, and I apologize that Cold Coffee was not with me to do it. Uh, but we're going to rectify that all in Arizona. By the time I get there, no, I can't even throw that out there. I was, see, my brain's so tired. I'm just throwing out cheesy rap reference lines. Anyway, uh, yes, me and Cole Coffee will be in Glendale, Arizona next week for USC on Fox 29, Poirier versus Gaethje. Man, how, how how fun does this card look? Carlos Condit, we're supposed to get Matt Brown. We're going to get Alex Oliveira instead, which I think could still be a really fun fight. Israel Adesanya returns. He looks like the real deal facing Marvin Vittori. We'll talk about all that uh, with Coke Coffee, and uh, hopefully we'll do a little and a half together this time as well. So uh, I appreciate your patience. I appreciate you putting up with me being in some kind of delirious state. And uh, most importantly, I thank you for listening. But see, it's not even, it doesn't even sound. <clears throat> and most importantly, thanks for listening. <laughs>